Welcome to the Self-Publishing Queen podcast. My name is Josiane Fortin and I'm a self-published author. I'm obsessed with helping and motivating writers to publish their books and share their gift with the world. My goal with this podcast is to inspire you to take action and be the writer you want to be. Let's go! Hello, writers. I'm Josiane Fortin, and today I'm interviewing Tyler Foley. Tyler is the self-published author of The Power to Speak Naked. So thank you for being on the show today. And please start by telling us a little bit about you. Uh, sure. Uh, and first of all, it's a pleasure to be on the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm a father, a husband, a performer. I'm a son. I'm a number one best-selling author, which is always super fun to be able to say. Uh, I'm a drummer, goaltender, seeker of warm beaches, lover of fine chocolates. I'm I'm a mystery wrapped up in an enigma. I don't know. What do you want to know? Because that, <laughs> I'm, I'm all of those things and more. And so more. many things. Yeah. So I'd like to know, why did you decide to write this first book? Uh, the be honest, The Power to Speak Naked came about... Uh, because I kept finding myself saying the same things over and over again to the same clients over and over and over again. And I thought it would just be easier to, instead of answering the same questions, uh, to be able to provide some easy to digest content for the people who are in my sphere of influence. So, uh, you know, the book became a very, um, natural process. Plus I had a lot of mentors and and various people who were really pushing me to have a published book as a speaker. It's one of those things that you can't really get to the next level if you don't have a book to sell at events. So um, I had a lot of reasons to write it and a lot of push to help me get it done. So it just made sense to have it. Why do, do we have to speak naked? Like just to be authentic <laughs> or what, what did you want to get at with that word? Yeah, so it, it's actually has at least three layers to it. On the surface, I would love if I could empower the world to be so confident in their message, so engaging with their delivery that they could legitimately go out and deliver a talk in the emperor's new clothes and have no one notice and feel completely and totally comfortable doing it because they were so locked into what their message was and they were, their audience was so locked into their story and how they were delivering it that it was just it would be un, unknown um on a deeper level i believe that um speakers have become lazy and very very reliant on fluff and i want people to get back to speaking and giving a naked talk and by that i mean no powerpoint no props You don't need to have these big audio visuals. You don't need all of this stuff. You don't even really technically need a stage, uh, which is funny. I run a group called Endless Stages for that reason, because a physical stage is not a necessity to give a very powerful and meaningful presentation. So I want people to be able to give just a raw, naked talk, be able to do it anywhere, anytime to any audience. And then on a very uh, deep sub-level, In order to give a powerful presentation, it's important that we expose ourselves to the raw, naked truth. And most people are very guarded in what they share and how they share it. And the most powerful presentations are when you can let that guard down and allow yourself to be vulnerable, allow yourself the freedom to share 
your story in a true and authentic manner. And in doing so, really engage and move an audience to see the world your way, because it's through the power of story that you're able to do that. And nobody knows your story better than you, but you have to be willing to come out and say it. So the power to speak naked encompassed a lot of those different areas. And, and it's just a poppy title, too, with a great cover. So I love it. <laughs> I really relate with the last point you said, like, being willing to share what we we live and stuff like that. Because when you write, like even if it's fiction, it's part of your story. You talk about your experiences, you talk about what you know, your career and stuff like that. So if some people are really afraid to get it out there because it's so personal and they're like, oh, people are going to recognize me there and there and there and this, this, this. So I, I feel like that's something that can translate also to writing. And And so you're a speaker and you speak about speaking, right? Yeah, it's it's very, very meta. You know, people ask, well, so what do you speak on? I'm like, I speak on speaking. I actually <laughs> started my speaking career speaking uh, about safety and doing safety presentations. So again, when you're saying what prompted the book, uh, safety professionals are not known for being very good with their delivery, right? Safety is dry. Safety is boring. It has a really bad reputation. And a lot of safety professionals are not helping with that in that they kind of go out and do, well, this is how it is. And let's do this talk and blah, blah, blah. And so I found that I was training a lot of safety professionals on how to give really good presentations. In fact, the three-day seminar that I do now grew out of a two-day training course that I originally developed called uh, Basic Instructional Technique, which I needed to call it something like that because if you say it's public speaking 101, nobody wants to come because they're like, no, I don't, I'm terrified of public speaking. But the reality is we do it every day. And so, you know, I really needed to, to push that. And then from that, I found that I wasn't speaking so much on safety. I was just speaking on public speaking. So mm -hmm. now that's, you know, probably... 80% of the talks that I deliver in a given year will be about public speaking and how to be more engaging, how to tell a more powerful story, uh, whether that's fictional or, or non-fictional. Okay, that makes sense. And how long did it take you to write the first book from that day you decided, okay, that's it, I'm going to do it? Uh, write or get it published because the two are totally different. Well, the process from starting to write to getting it published. So the writing process was actually really, really quick for me because I, again, have been delivering a lot of these training materials. A lot of the content that is in the book came straight from my training and I have all of the training recorded. So I have hours and hours and hours and hours of video of me. So what we did was strip the audio from the video and then transcribe all the audio and then put that into cohesive chapters. You know, I always knew that the book was going to be small because it's meant to be, a, you know, a, a kind of a combination of a personal development slash business advice book. So in both scenarios, you don't want it to be very big. So it, you know, in its current version, it's 10 chapters and I believe 134 pages. Um, yeah, 134 pages. Um, so it didn't take very long to do because I spoke everything. So that was the easy thing about it was just speaking it. Um, the editing process was actually fairly quick too. So it, it only took probably three or four weeks to get the book actually written. And then 
I think editing took another two or three months because I didn't, the problem with me speaking it is the, I think I speak very eloquently and I do until you see it written down <laughs> and then you get to see all of the so's and ums, various conjunction words that I use on a regular basis so that those needed to be stripped out. And then I didn't like how some of it compiled because I tend to, because I'm usually giving a live presentation, I'll reiterate content over and over again. Right. And so a lot of what I was presenting in the book repeated itself, which was a good thing, but also needed to be edited correctly so that it, I wasn't giving, saying the same thing five times over. I was actually adding on to uh, topics and, and building on ideas and themes. So the editing probably took another two to three months. Um, one of honestly, one of the biggest challenges I had was coming up with the cover design. Uh, my original idea is very close to what we have on the cover now, but at some point along the process, it had become a very ego driven cover. And it was, a, it was a picture of my face and, you know, one of my professional headshots because we were using that as branding. And so we were hoping that the book would be a branding thing. And it really, it didn't sit right with me. And then my graphic designer, who's an amazing, amazing and talented uh, graphic designer, Lorraine Shelba, put together my, uh, what is now the final cover, because I, she was trying to follow along with what the original publisher was saying. And she kept presenting these designs. And I was like, oh, I just don't like it. I don't like it. And she's like, well, what would you like? And I'm like, well, originally I had this idea. And she listened to me and, and really came up with what I think is a, is a very, very powerful, very uh, visual representation of not only me, but what the, the book and the content is. So that is it a picture process, of you? <laughs> uh, no, that's the funny thing. The, the, I, the, it's a stock image, but it's a pretty close approximation. Like I'm not quite the, as muscular as the dude on the cover of my book, but um, I, I'm not far off. Like there are people who legitimately uh, are wondering if it's me. My wife knows it's not me. She's like, oh, come on now, Tyler. That's, <laughs> that's obviously not you. That man works out way more than you do. But I, uh, yeah, I, I originally that was what I wanted was me on the. You wanted front. a picture of you. I, I wanted it to be a picture of me, stark <laughs> naked, doing one of these like starfish poses with a big grin on my face, and then the power to speak naked, covering all the stuff that needed to be covered. And as I was talking through the design with Lorraine, one of the things that I said that I didn't like about the headshot version of me was that it was very ego driven, and I wanted to to be. Uh, in service of the people who picked up the book, not in service of me because you're buying my book. And so she took that and she's like, why is that? And I'm like, well, I want people to be able to, I want anybody to be able to pick this up and speak to it. And so she said, well, what, why do you want to be facing forward? I'm like, oh, it's power to speak naked. You're naked this way. She's like, well, you can be naked the other way. I said, I guess. She's like, let me play around with something. And then so by flipping the guy around so that he's faced away, I feel that it allows people to literally step into it because that would be the position that you're in too. Like if you were to step into the stage, right. Mm -hmm. um, this, like you're looking forward. So I, it, it has the guy looking out towards what could be an audience. Um, and I thought that was important so that anybody could step into the book and feel that they were part of it, as opposed to me talking to you from the book. So okay. I, I just, I love how she, Came up with it but yes originally i wanted to be on on the cover and <laughs> you I wanted to be to naked on the cover <laughs> i would have done it i would have done it 
And um, I'm wondering, um, your book, who do you think it helps most? Because like anyone who wants to speak could pick it up, but who do you think it speaks most to? That's a really good question. I find that um, the people who resonate the most with the book fall into two camps. They tend to be um, entrepreneurs and business professionals who have kind of been thrust into a supervisory position that they weren't really prepared to be in and are finding that they're having to give presentations that they're not comfortable giving. Um, that seems to be one camp. And then, and then the other avatar that we've found uh, over the last year, as, and there's a really strong number of them as well, um, are, believe it or not, authors. Are the particularly self-published authors tend to be female self-published authors who are trying to promote their book and are terrified to get up and talk about why they wrote it or, or, or their reasoning or their passion behind this project or, or what drove them forward or why these characters that they've written about matter to them and, and just being able to get on a show like yours and, and promote it. And so we found over the last particularly even in the last three months, that kind of segment has really taken off. There's just this, there's this growing side niche of the, of uh, particularly female authors uh, who have written nonfiction work. Uh, we have a couple of, of, of fiction authors as well, and, and they're doing really good. Um, but it tends to be those nonfiction ones. And I think they fit into that segment too, with that business side. Um, and, and that business professional, that entrepreneur. So it's been a, a really neat segment, but it tends to hover in there. Okay, good. What advice would you give to an aspiring author listening to us and about selling books and writing the book and then selling it? Like, what would you say? Uh, that first of all, they're two totally different things. <laughs> they're, they are two totally different skill sets and two drastically different worlds. The writing If you feel that you need to write a book, write, write to block out time in your day and just do it. You'd be amazed at how, um, how quickly a book comes to fruition. And the other thing is to don't, don't be so committed to how many pages you have. Because like, I remember the first draft of my book, I looked at it and it was like 40 or 42, very low 40s in a word format, right? But that was like a, a 10 point font, single spaced, probably five or 600 words per page. And my editor was more concerned about word count. You know, can you get a 10,000 word book? Can you get a 15,000 word book? Can you get a 20,000 word book? And I didn't really understand that until again, the editing and the formatting process was done. And all of a sudden, what was 42 or 44 pages, uh, initially, when the book was uh, self-published, um, and I think it was like a, like a nine inch by five and a half inch or, or something like that, it's a, fairly, it's a little bit larger, uh, the, whole, the whole book was 101 pages, and then 102 pages. And then my publisher, uh, when it got picked up by a traditional publisher, Morgan James, They made it an even smaller book. So now it's, what would it be eight, eight and a half by 11 becomes eight and a half by five and a quarter, I think. I think it's eight and a half by five and a quarter is the size of, of this current 
version of it. And then that stretched the pages out because you only have so much space to print to the 134 that it is currently. So don't, when you're writing this thing and don't be concerned about the page, write until you are happy with what you've got and realize you'll never be hundred percent satisfied with what you got, but be happy with what you got. And then when it comes to publishing, Oh man. Um, uh, if I could give one bit of advice, it would be don't be in a rush to publish, but don't take your time doing it either. It sounds so uh, counterintuitive and, and, you know, I, it's weird because I feel that I, I was so focused on getting the book out and getting it printed and getting it into people's hands that I didn't take the time to do the little things necessary that needed to be done before it actually got printed and put into people's hands. But at the same time, the second go around, um, I, I took all the time, but then I think I took too much time. Like I, I needed, I wanted everything in, in order and everything in place. And really it just, at that point it needed to get out. So you need to find that weird balance of, doing some research, doing some prep, making sure that, you know, you've got a, a good book launch strategy in place that if you're self-publishing or traditional publishing, you probably are going to be responsible for the majority of your PR anyway. So making sure that you have a good strategy in place, ask other authors what they've done, join the forums, you know, everybody loves to share. It's one of the things that I love about being an author is it's a beautiful community with so many people who are willing to share their their wins and their triumphs and, and their successes and their struggles and, um, you know, get into those forums and, and find out, particularly if you're self-published and then just do it, just do it. It doesn't matter. My, I I'm getting a second kick at the cat with, uh, with my book, we're getting a revised edition, um, put together because this edition is not, you know, is missing stuff. There is, there's so much more that could be added to it. So, um, don't be worried about perfection. Just, just get it out there, get it out there, but make sure that you're researching how to get it out there effectively. What are you referring to when you said the little things that you missed because you were so obsessed with getting the book out? Is it like a launch plan that you're talking about? Yeah. Or? So a little bit on the launch plan, a little bit on having the funnels in place, a little bit on the web support. Um, the, the other things like, you know, getting on Goodreads and, and, making sure that you're getting some really good um, references on and, you know, um, or what, like, uh, like reviews on it. Um, and like, I didn't even think about Goodreads. And the funny thing is, is I've been a member of Goodreads for 10 years, you know, and I review other people's books and, and I, <laughs> I didn't even think to ask people to do mine. Um, and, you know, asking the, the other little things like asking the question, what do I want the book to do for me? I was so concerned about what I wanted the book to do for other people that I didn't even bother to ask why I wanted the book for me. You know, because there's a thousand reasons to write the book. You know, some people, some, you know, some people want the fame, some people want the money, some people just want to have their story out, some people want to leave a legacy. You know, some people want to have something to give to clients. Some people want it as a lead magnet. Like, why? Why do you want to write the book? And then, but what do you want it to do for you? And that will really drive a lot of this other stuff 
And I don't think I really took the time to ask myself what I wanted the book to do for me. And I really wish that I had because it would have informed a lot of those decisions up front. Yeah. And at first you self-published and then you said it was picked up by a publisher, right? That's correct. Yeah. And why, why did you decide to take that leap of faith and go with like being traditionally published instead of staying self-published? I wanted to see my book in bookstores, Okay, you know, and I wanted to see my book. It, the nice thing is, is um, Morgan James has been able to get my book in not just North American bookstores, but across the world. And it's fun when I have friends, you know, who are, who are taking snapshots and they're in London and they, here's your book or they're in France. Here's your book. Um, it, it was a bit of an ego thing for me. You know, there's only so many books you can sell on Amazon and I can't add the, the other thing I can't advertise my book on Amazon because the cover breaches their um, nudity clause. <laughs> the irony is, is the stock image was purchased from Jeff Bezos' site. So he, he allowed me to purchase the image, but I can't use the image to uh, advertise my book. And I don't know how to advertise my book without putting the cover on the book. So um, yeah, uh, <laughs> I find it, Interesting. So that was the other thing to be able to have uh, a traditional publisher who could, you know, put copies of it in some of the digest magazines that are going out to libraries and, um, you know, book buyers. And, you know, I, I'll have it. There's a, a big conference for books at the Library of Cong Congress coming up here. And I think this end of this month or the beginning of next month, I can't remember when it is. But my book will be, you know, showcased at this large convention at a, you know, my publisher has a, has a big wall and, you know, and I think they've got 40 or 80 books that they're showcasing at the, the library of Congress and this, and this conference. So just to have that added exposure, added legitimacy, you know, I, it was when they approached me and said, you know, we would like to take you on. It felt good because um, I was critical of the work. You know, I don't think it's the best book on the planet. Um, I definitely can see that there's room for improvement in it. And I'm so thankful that I get the opportunity to put out a revised edition uh, that will expand out to 12 chapters and probably get to that 160, 170 page uh, range. That'll be really, really fun. And I'm, I'm really thankful that I get that opportunity. But just, um, you know, to have somebody validate that, hey, you've done this thing and we like it and we think it's good enough that we can do more for you with it. I thought that was just awesome. So why wouldn't I? And, you know, Morgan James is a great publisher. Um, there's part of my proceeds go to supporting Habitat for Humanity, um, which I like because that's just a thing that Morgan James does. They're, uh, they're very committed to their authors and, uh, and then on top of it, I'm able to support my own charities through the sales of it. So one of the things that I like to do is for any U.S. purchases, I try to get people to go to bookshop.org because it supports local bookstores. And you can also get the book cheaper through it, too. So it's little things like that that I why wouldn't I publish? Um, yeah, they're going to be I'm going to be making less from a residual standpoint. But 
the volume of sales outweighs the control of the intellectual property. And I still, I still have control of the intellectual property. So that's one yeah. of the things that I liked about Morgan James. They're a hybrid publisher. So yes. Yeah. What would you think? Like if you had to pick like the one single best thing that you did to sell more books, what would you say? Like a social media platform? Is it like speaking engagement that really drive your sales? What is it? Well, for me, it is. It's the speaking engagements. And that's a thing that I've always been able to do. So like, you know, I'll probably in any given month, we might move 10 to 30 units. You know, it's not not great sales. They're not amazing. Um, but what I found is when I come on podcasts, which is a speaking opportunity, that we see those sales spike. So a podcast episode will release and then, you know, we'll basically get the month's worth of sales in one day. Mm -hmm. Right. So you get that 20 or 30. And then when I get a chance to speak on stage, like I'll be speaking at a conference next week and there are 500 attendees, but there are 50 VIP attendees and the conference purchased a book for all 50 attendees. So I'm selling 50 right up the, right off the bat. And then I have the opportunity to you know, be at the back of the stage, uh, the back of the room rather, and sell some more copies. And typically in a scenario like that, I'll move anywhere from a hundred to 150 units in that size of a crowd. So that's where I find I'm having the most volume of sales. And so, yeah, I, that's again, why I'm finding that as a niche market. because I'm, my book is speaking on speaking. And why a lot of authors are coming being like, well, how do you do it? How do you do it? I'm like, well, it's, it's all about being able to tell your story effectively from stage. And if you tell your story effectively from stage, it's amazing how quickly people want to learn more about you. And one of the best ways to learn more about you is to read your book. So yes. encourage them all to buy your book. And make it and a good, one of good the sale. questions that I had is give us one tip to speak more confidently. What would you say spe specifically targeted to authors? Um, so nobody is a, better authority on you or your book than you are so who else could ever possibly speak on it but you you know there's a lot of fan fair and fan blogs and fan fiction around the harry potter books but nobody speaks better with more authority on motivations within that those books than jk rowling herself right and and when you re recognize that you are the authority, that you know this material better than anyone else, whether you're speaking um, fiction or nonfiction, you are the authority, you've published it. And I find, particularly with the nonfiction authors, they go, oh yes, but so-and-so has also published this and they have five, 10, 15 other books on it. And they've sold, you know, 10,000 copies in our New York Times bestseller and Wall Street Journal bestseller and Amazon bestseller. And who am I? I've sold 30 copies in a lifetime. And you go, okay, but they, those also had a traditional publisher behind them. They had a lot of money behind them. They had a lot of PR behind them. So how do we start to get you that PR because you know your stuff just as much as they do, or you wouldn't have been able to write this thing. And, and so the first thing that I let everybody know is that you are the authority. 
And if there are people that are there to listen to you, they're on your side. The audience is always on your side or they wouldn't be there. We don't go to these presentations. We don't go to talks if we don't want to be there. Even if it's like a presentation that you're giving in a boardroom and it's a mandatory <laughs> attendance, people who are there are passively indifferent. They still want you to succeed. They still want you to have and give a good talk because right, nobody goes to a presentation and goes, man, I hope this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> they all go going, please be good. Yeah. And when you recognize that the audience is on your side and you're the authority, there's no reason to be nervous. In fact, most people who claim to be afraid of public speaking are not actually afraid of public speaking. Uh, if people were afraid of public speaking, nobody would have ever been able to order food in a restaurant. You know, if you've been able to order food in a restaurant, you spoke in public. If you didn't know your wait staff, you probably spoke to a stranger and you asked for what you wanted and got it. So this notion that we're afraid to speak in public. Well, no, you spoke in public. You were in a public place and you spoke. I'm afraid to speak to strangers. Well, you didn't know your wait staff. So you spoke to a complete stranger. I'm afraid to ask for what I want. Well, did you get the food that you asked for? Because if you did, all of those things become null and void if you were able to go to a restaurant and order food. What most people are actually afraid of is public judgment. And the hardest critics and the hardest judges on ourselves are us. And as soon as you can release yourself of that and recognize that the audience is on your side and you are the authority or you wouldn't be given that platform or stage, it becomes a lot more freeing and a lot easier to be able to speak. Yeah. I find that if I practice my speech, like not learn by heart, but really know where I'm going, then I'm more comfortable. And like, I sometimes I even work out little jokes in my head okay I might be able to say this or that so maybe I won't say it but if I feel like in the moment that people are receptive to hearing a little joke then uh, I might like say it so well and it's funny that is one of the most important things to being confident on stage is practicing and I love that you said that you're not memorizing your speech that you're memorizing content because mm -hmm. that's important knowing because um I equate it to trying to get, you know, if I wanted to come visit you, you know, I've, I, I got a, you're going to give me your address and I'm going to plug it in. But if I memorize a speech, it's like me buying a plane ticket to come visit and locking myself into a one-way ticket, right? On one airline direct, no stops. Well, if the plane goes mechanical, or if there's a delay, I can't get to you. And all of a sudden, now I can't go anywhere. And that's what happens when we try to memorize speeches. You go, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know where to go now that I can't remember this one word. Where if you memorize content, if you structure a, a talk so that you have bullet points that you know you want to get to, then you can add or expand. Like you said, you know, these are a couple of jokes. If they're receptive, I can get them in. If they're not, I can back off of them. If we're running out of time, I can pull this thing because it's not as important. But if we need more time, I can expand on these ones. And that's the same as me saying, okay, let's go on a road trip. And I hop in my truck and I go, okay, I got to get, I'm driving east. I know that we've got to get east, but do I go east? Do I start going south through the states? Do I do a couple of border crossings? Do I cut straight through Saskatchewan? Do I have to stop along the way for the restroom? Do I get some food, right? I've got your address, but I have freedom to go off-road if they've closed the highway. 
you know, I have freedom and flexibility to move around. And that's, that's the problem with memorizing a speech is it's like buying that one-way ticket on a direct flight from A to B. If the plane goes down, you never, ever get to B. But if you can punch in a GPS, it's okay to hear recalculating, recalculating, because that just means that you're in service of your audience and, and detouring the way that they need to have that detour go. Yeah. Right. What writing projects are you currently working on? Uh, so we alluded to it earlier. I'm doing a revised edition of The Power to Speak Naked, and I am currently working on the draft for a new book called um, Podcast Mastery. So for the last year, I've been the number one ranked guest on Podmatch. And a lot of people, same things, right? I write books around the advice that people are coming to ask me. <laughs> that's, that's my writing process. Some people have stories that are burned in their minds and they're like, I've got to get this out of me. I've got to tell this great tale. For me, it's, it's uh, the opposite. It's, I'm tired of saying this thing over and over and over again. Here, let me just write it out for you and go. So I've actually, I launched a, a podcast mastery challenge uh, last month. It was, it was amazing. Um, we did, we challenged a hundred people to get on a hundred podcasts in a hundred days what? and we charged a hundred bucks to, for it. And I basically downloaded all my knowledge and we've had some amazing, amazing wins and successes with the group, with the group that we have going through it. It's just been awesome. So awesome. In fact, that, cause we kept the hundred dollar price tag. Cause it just sounded cool. hundred for a hundred for a hundred. Yeah. Um, We've actually had to up the price to 289 because we have a waiting list now. So many people were like, okay, we've, we apparently have hit a really good uh, niche here and we're, we're helping people out, but we've got such great questions coming in from the groups and so many people. And it's expanded beyond just using Podmatch as a platform to finding other podcasts, different ways. And, and how do you really find these shows to be on, to promote your work. And so um, I'm distilling that all down probably I'm, I'm aiming for like eight to 10 chapters. We'll see how it ends up in reality, but there's a lot of content to cover. And some of it will overlap with what I've done with the power to speak naked. Um, we, one of the chapters that I'm adding into the revised edition is a chapter on um, podcasting. Mm -hmm. So that chapter is going to then get expanded on and become, become the new book, but I'm really excited about it because I just, I'm, I'm loving this group and teaching them and, and it's fun you know exactly what they need to learn so you know exactly what to write in your book it, well and that's exactly it and it's nice because i've done it like everything that i'm putting in the book is everything i've done over the last 14 months and you know to stay atop the leaderboard as the you know in the top 10 and and very often the number one or number two ranked guest for 14 months now 14 months I've been on top of how many podcasting. interviews have you done? Uh, just over 300 okay. in the last, um, 365 days. Okay. So pretty much one a day. More or less. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, it's more than one a day. Cause I take the weekends off. Okay. <laughs> right. So we have 220 working days in the year, give or take. And I've done over 300 podcasts and, uh, there were the, big push of that was in the summertime, like, uh, my book got re-released through, um, Morgan James in September. So we were doing like June, July, August, I was doing three or four interviews a day, 
just to get them all stacked up so that they basically there was a point in September where you couldn't go anywhere without hearing me on some podcasts somewhere. <laughs> it was, it was amazing. Tyler was again. <laughs> and Tyler again. I really did feel like Tyler again. Yeah. Uh, do you have a lunch date on the podcast book? Uh, no, I, I have a target in mind. So um, this, I tend to publish in May or September. Um, you know, so I'm, I feel like we'll relaunch the power to speak naked um, in September of next year. And I may try to get the, um, the podcast one out in May. Uh, it should give me enough time. Cause that's a year uh, to or approximately a year to get it going. So I I'm going to target may for it, but I mean, it may come sooner. It may come later. It depends on, you know, the, on me, it, how quickly I can write it and then how quickly we can get it into the system. Um, how quickly editing goes. So like, well, you know, there's a thousand things that could in interrupt it. And if people want to know more about you, where can they connect with you? Uh, well, before they connect with me, I would love it if they would connect with you further. So if they're enjoying your show and if they're getting value out of this, I would appreciate it if they would give you a five-star review and let you know, you know, what episode they liked or who was a good guest that they had on. And if they're willing to do that for me as a favor to me, then as a favor back, I would be more than happy to have them come over to SeanTylerFoley.com. And Sean is spelled the proper Irish way, S-E-A-N-T-Y-L-E-R-F-O-L-E-Y, SeanTylerFoley.com. And there they can um, get connected with our free Endless Stages Facebook group. So I do free training. Uh, through the group every Tuesday at noon Pacific, three Eastern time. That's every Tuesday. We come on and give Tyler's Tuesday tips. It's a quick 20 minute live broadcast where I answer questions from the group from the week before, or we'll have a scheduled training for something specific. If we've got a lot, if we've got one particular theme that's coming through that week and uh, anytime anybody signs up for that, they get a whole bunch of freebies, including a free PDF of the book. So if they want to get a copy of the book, and they don't want to pay the $17.95 to Barnes & Noble or Chapters or Indigo or whoever they're going through, uh, then they're more than welcome to come and join Endless Stages. And I'll give them a free PDF of the book and plus a whole bunch of training videos and fun stuff. But only if they give a five-star review to you and your show. <laughs> Got to give the five-star review. No five-star review, no free book for you. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Tyler. Oh, it was my joy and my pleasure. And thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you loved what you heard, be sure to share it with me by leaving me a review. If you are ready to publish your book, let me take your hand in my course, How to Self-Publish on Amazon. I will show you every step you need to take to successfully go through the publishing process on the platform. Keep on writing!